Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert, Don Pizzette. Security specialist, Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and I am joined, as always, by Don Bazette. Don, how are you doing? I am doing great, getting ready for the holiday season. A lot of fun and excitement. Uh, going through an ISO 27001 audit right now, so that's... Also that's fun and excitement. Holiday magic, yeah, yeah. just a, a fun all around. Gift so hopefully he brings you a client <laughs> stamp, right? <laughs> that's right. Uh, the it, gift of uh, findings uh, and nonconformities. Yes. It's right in the stocking. And so Daniel, how are you? Oh, man, I guess I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm having a good one. I'm Where's Thanksgiving fit on your uh, favorite holidays list? I actually like Thanksgiving because the food is amazing. Yeah, it's right, right there at the top for me. It really, like, but you're kicking off the season. You know, yeah, sure, Christmas is better. You get stuff, but, right? But when Christmas happens, it, it's done then, and it's and it's back to work for another year. That's true. That's you know, true. I mean, I guess you go New Year's if you're in the stage yeah. or whatever. You know. Daniel, I'm disappointed you missed an opportunity to go like full on Gremlins reference and explain how when you were a child, <laughs> your father, father was killed by a turkey. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so you don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's probably the best Thanksgiving movie, right? We just go to therapy on Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> we were debating, actually, if we're going to go off the rails right away, yeah. Uh, yeah, on, well. on good Thanksgiving movies, because there's not many. You got the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. There's not. But the best one, Adam's Family Values. Oh, it is a Thanksgiving movie. When they do the Thanksgiving play, that is Dude, the funniest crap on the entire planet. thank you for planet. reminding me about that because I'm trying to compile a list of Thanksgiving movies. And right now, it's, it's a short list. Yeah. Um, it's obviously Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then I've got Grumpy Old Men. All right. This is during Thanksgiving time, which is a phenomenally funny movie. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. I will throw on Adam's Family Values on there yep. because you are absolutely right about that. And Dutch... With Ed O'Neill. I was thinking Dutch, but I couldn't remember if it was Christmas or Thanksgiving. It is Thanksgiving, so what, you are welcome. What is the uh, the animated movie where the turkeys go back in time? Uh, to... We just started to watch that the other day. Um, is this new? It's decent. Uh, fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I it's it. about you know a turkey is the presidential turkey he gets pardoned and they go okay. back in time. It, it, the movie sucked. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen the whole thing, but I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. They go back in time to the oh. yeah, first thing. The qualifier like, for getting on my movie list is it has to be oh, at least entertaining and oh, okay. good. Yeah. Yeah. Turkey's like, have you tried ham? <laughs> yeah. And that's and that's the yeah. end of the movie. Uh, All right. Well, let's get in uh, to you know the gift that keeps on giving tech news. And start with our first article, which comes to us from bleepingcomputer.com. Microsoft Defender Network Protection generally available on iOS and Android. And I know we talked a few uh, probably months back about how Defender was coming to uh, to your Mac and, and other platforms. And now we're talking about mobile. So what I was curious about with this one, I couldn't tell, is this something that you put on your phone or you put on your network at the office so the phones that are on your network are protected? So it's actually really confusing. And just real quick, the movie's called Freebirds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, it, it's really confusing. Not, not the headline, just the concept. So uh, Microsoft Defender is already out for iOS and Android and macOS and Windows. So it's already out there. What's going on is a new feature has come out. And that feature is called network protection. And it doesn't protect your network. It protects you from the network you're on. So one thing that I know, Daniel, you talk about it in a lot of the security training you do is that it's super easy for an attacker to stand up a rogue wireless access point yes. or like a, you can a get the Wi-Fi the pineapple yeah. from Hack5, things like that. Yeah, it's like Charles Bronson went, 
uh, can I stand up a Wi-Fi anywhere I want? I'd like to see you try and stop me. <laughs> right, go. and then he waves his gun. So uh, <laughs> it shot. is effective. <laughs> so, uh, so basically, Microsoft Defender has a new feature where it will help to detect rogue access points. And when somebody brings up a new AP that shouldn't be there, and it gives you a warning, if you try and connect to a network that is not a trusted network, it will protect you from that network. And on a desktop, that's not really a feature that's very significant. Even on a laptop, it's not as powerful there. But on mobile devices... Super important. Super good, right? Because you're just bouncing from Wi-Fi to Wi-Fi all throughout your day, and you never know what you're connecting to, or you're just a trusting and assuming all the things that you're connecting to are good for you, which is a bad strategy, yep. honestly. Bold strategy, Cotton. <laughs> yeah. Let's see how it plays <laughs> You'll out. Let's see how it plays out. <laughs> uh, now, they added some other features in here that help for managing mobile devices. So if you are a Microsoft 365 customer and somebody uses an Android or iOS phone and they onboard it into your organization... Uh, that you can do things like isolating, remote wipe, get alerts to know when somebody tries to connect to one of these rogue networks. So it, it has some some much more mobile-focused offerings, but it's mainly the network protection feature that is what's significant here. Is this something that's uh, specific only to Defender, or are there competitors out there that kind of do the same thing? So this particular thing is specific to Defender, but a lot of competition has similar items. Um they, they usually have different names or whatever, and I, I kind of debate how effective they are. Uh, it, it just depends. But yeah. but this is one that's wrapped up into Microsoft Management Suite, so it's a little more attractive. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're, you've probably got a 365 account anyway for your organization. So, yeah. hey, all the better. <laughs> yeah, is this something you've tried or would put on your phone? Uh, I would, except, I you know, for me, I'm very very selective about what networks I connect to. Mm -hmm. So when I travel, for example, I almost always just do cellular yep. the whole time. I don't bother with wireless networks when I'm traveling. Um, so I, I wouldn't necessarily benefit from that angle. But Especially if you're at the Luxor. Yeah. yeah. Not me, man. I roll the dice everywhere I go. I'm like, this laptop's the company laptop, not well, mine. I Let's care. connect to super free airport Wi-Fi. <laughs> oh, they misspelled Wi-Fi. Well, yeah, it's probably. Yeah, we all make mistakes. Yeah. I, I don't like to think of myself as a paranoid person, but even when I'm at my in-laws or something, I'll just yeah. stay on cellular. <laughs> what I like to do is just hang like $1,000 cash out of my back pocket uh -huh. as I walk through the city streets. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah. yeah. Inside to meet new people. I still like know. our idea of going to Black Hat next year and just trying our best to get hacked. Yeah. I think we should do it. I, I'm down. <laughs> and sadly, it'll just be me doing the normal things I do. <laughs> Peter is our control subject. Like, oh, I didn't know we'd started yet. What? I, I've been hacked seven times. <laughs> All right, well, let's take a look at our next one here, which comes to us from ZDNet.com. Red Hat Enterprise Linux 8.7 arrives. And uh, it's, it's you know, what you've been waiting for, the, the gift uh, for holiday the holiday season here. 8.7 fits, uh, fits right in that red stocking, <laughs> the Red Hat. Um, so Some what allergies having trouble is yeah. new? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, if Santa had the fedora on yeah, instead of the true. other thing, that would, that would work a lot better. Uh, what's new in 8.7 that uh, that we should be so excited about? Well, you know, I, I actually stopped reporting on minor versions of Red Hat a while back. So, like, we didn't report when 8.6 came out, or I don't think we did 8.5 even, uh, although it was a bit bigger. Uh, but this time in 8.7, there's a feature that I think is really cool. Red Hat has baked in a little bit more for their identity and access management or, or their authentication piece on the system. So in the past, when you configured RHEL, you had a couple of options for how you authenticated users. You had, you know, maybe you had a centralized directory like OpenLDAP or Microsoft's Active Directory. They supported both. Or you just wanted to use Unix authentication with the built-in user accounts. 
But with the updates to the, the PAM or pluggable authentication module system in Linux, they could really support whatever they wanted if they chose to do it. Well, in 8.7, they chose. They have at, they choosed? They choose, chose. They chose rated. They have chosen. Choose a fight. All right. Well, we're going to learn English today on the podcast. <laughs> Chewed. Uh, so they choo choo choosed. It's got a picture of a train on it. <laughs> so uh, they chose to add in support for some really neat systems. They've added uh, support for Amazon Web Services IAM, Microsoft Azure, Google Cloud Platform, and a handful of others. So you can actually authenticate. Like if you deploy RHEL in AWS or even deploy it on-prem, you can have it configured to authenticate against your AWS environment. Really, really slick stuff. So neat to see that added on. And not necessarily a feature everybody wants, but if that's a feature you need, 8.7 is a big deal. You think it'll integrate with Bob Stupchek's you know, <laughs> uh, federated services systems? That would be great. Yeah, I guess it just depends, doesn't it? I don't know. They're really uh, leaving him out. I'd have to look at the spec sheet. I feel like it's it's personal against Bob. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I do have Microsoft Bob you back there in the Microsoft background. Bob, so. which is his first product. I don't think it has an authentication system in it, though. <laughs> yeah, just blind trust. <laughs> if you click on the icon with your name, that's good enough. It assumes. No, no one else would hey, click that icon. Why would you even be here? <laughs> So that said, you we got you know a new version of RHEL. I was also looking through it, and it's talking about like how this incorporates the new Ansible Red Hat's DevOps program. That feature stupid is dumb as hell. <laughs> <laughs> so they're trying to get a little more friendly. And then what the hell was this? This um, where is it? The Podman. I am unfamiliar with these. Apparently, I'm late to the you game. You don't know Podman? No, I do not know Podman oh, or I thought you Open were being Containers funny. Initiative. No, is that the new Marvel? I'm just this like a uh, rival to Docker, apparently. <laughs> Hot Docker came out. Docker worked. They used Docker. So uh, just to, to bring you up to speed real quick, and, and maybe for our podcast listeners, they're probably all laughing at you. Yeah, right as now. they should. Um, but uh, you know, Docker Docker was a like a Silicon Valley unicorn, whatever. Everybody thought this is amazing. It's technology. Everybody adopted it, but they didn't make any money. Yeah. And so for years and years and years, they were just hemorrhaging cash, and they had to come up with a way to make some money. And they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. The Docker container image format, that's open source, public, anybody can make containers and, and the, the configuration files and so on, just open. But the Docker desktop environment, that's going to be licensed for now on. If you want to run the Docker desktop environment, you've got to pay for that engine to be able to run it. Uh, if you buy Windows Server Enterprise Edition, it actually comes with a Docker license so you can run Docker desktop and not pay. But if you're running Linux or Mac OS or whatever, you got to pay. And any time an open source product becomes a paid product, which they effectively did, there's going to be an alternative. And Red Hat stepped right in and, and pushed the Podman initiative. And so Podman is kind of like an open source version of Docker Desktop. So okay. when you go on a RHEL box, and, and this is actually true of a lot of Linux distros, not just Red Hat, uh, and you type like Docker up, well, or, or Docker LS or whatever. It's like an alias. You're using the Docker command, but you're actually talking to Podman or Container D in the background, or both, uh, yeah, yeah. interacting with each other, and not the Docker desktop at all. You probably don't even have that installed. And so a lot of people looked at it and said, ooh, Docker's going to go out of business. And it's somewhat true. They've been struggling for cash, and they've had a bit of a rough time of it the last couple of years. Gotcha. So, I, I mean, obviously, I haven't I haven't used Red Hat, and I couldn't tell you when. Mm -hmm. So that's probably one of the reasons I had been unfamiliar. I was like, what are we talking about here? That it's incorporating the SIG store into its Podman, yada yada. I'm like, oh, Docker was fine. Every time I go for something, I always have a, a Docker thing. It's always Docker. It's funny though. Like you could be using Podman and not even know it. 
so you know, there are a lot of people who sit there and, and say, like, well, I'm, I'm right, running. Because everything's, you still use the Docker commands. Mm-hmm. That's why instead of saying Docker up, I'll say Podman up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Podman up, man. Come on. Podman. <laughs> Where's your Podman? Get over it. All right. Let's take a look at the next one, which I had to go back and look at um, because I was like, this is not the original article that we had. And uh, this one's from Tom's Hardware. And originally, I will go back when when you put in the headline a few days ago, Don, it said Raspberry Pi shortages could last another year, which was a lot more intimidating than what it has changed to now, which is Raspberry Pi CEO talks Pi inventory next gen boards because they went back and updated and said, it's not going to last years. It's going to last to about this point next year. Is that correct? Yeah, but I still feel like that's a bit of marketing spin, yeah. right? So that's wishful um, thinking. If if you've tried to buy a Raspberry Pi in the last like six eight months, it, it's been a while. Yeah, um, they're out of stock everywhere. Yeah, uh, you can find some of the higher memory um, compute modules, right? The yeah. the all in one little boards. Um, you can find some of those typically overpriced. But the regular Raspberry Pis that are normally in the thirty to fifty dollar range, depending on how much memory you pick, those they're out of stock everywhere, bucks. and they sell on eBay for yeah. Yes. And those are private sellers oh, that I'm have them up right scalpers. Now. Yeah, okay. yeah, yep. Uh, and so what's happened is first off, supply chain, right? So supply chain has been a big deal with the COVID pandemic and all that mess. It, it really kind of gummed up the works. Still so got that evergreen stuff. boat that was stuck in the Suez Canal. I think it, it was full <laughs> yeah. of raspberries. Uh, Prices okay. have come down. Uh, what on eBay? I have seen them up at two hundred dollars, and now they're hovering right around one hundred, one hundred twenty. So still four times. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Significantly. Still way, way more expensive. Especially for like the low end. If you wanted like a, a raspberry, it's the uh, shoot the what's the really small one, the two W oh, uh, or something. Yeah, it's the oh man, raspberry. I Zero. The Raspberry Pi Zero Two yes. W. Pico in my head. I know it's not yep. Pico. No, the, the Picos you can buy yeah, them all over the place. Like That's no big deal. Yeah. But the uh, the Raspberry Pi Two or Zero Two W is normally twenty dollars, and those are selling for a hundred bucks left yes. and right. Yeah. So really I hard to one. find. <laughs> and so they they interviewed the CEO of Raspberry Pi to find out about you know, when we can expect this to end. Now he's the one selling them on eBay. Well, so they're actually <laughs> under a little bit of heat because believe it or not, they have a ton of them. Really? They have warehouses full of these right, things. But they're not letting you have them. Is it shipping? Right. Well, up? so a couple of years ago, they started partnering with commercial organizations that were making things like smart TVs and and other devices where you could power them with a Raspberry Pi. Okay. And so they entered into all of these commercial agreements. And when the shortages started happening, they said, well, "Wait a minute, we just entered into these agreements. We don't want a manufacturer who's creating." laptops or TVs or whatever that rely on a Raspberry Pi to not be able to get it. So they reserved the whole set. Like every Raspberry Pi that comes in goes right into the warehouse and they hold it for those corporate customers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are upset about that because the original version of the Raspberry Pi or the original intent was a low-cost computing device to help makers, to help individuals, hobbyists, yeah. enthusiasts, to, to be able to have something to build upon. Um, and so they've, they've kind of turned their back on that. Mm-hmm. So the CEO has come out and said, look, by the end of 2023, this should all be resolved. And if you want to buy a Raspi at retail price, you should be able to by December of 2023. Now, there's a lot of shoulds, probabilities, we hope. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. Mm. With inflation and layoffs and and the political turmoil that we've got right now, I really don't see this being resolved by the end of 2023. And it it's in his best interest to promote it that way. So I, I totally get why he sure. came back with a little bit of spin on it. But... Basically, if you need to buy a Raspberry Pi at retail pricing, 
good luck for at least the next six to eight months. Yeah, that's unfortunate, too, because they were just such a handy thing to be able to do a bunch of cool projects with. Yeah. And I, that's why they were so popular. And, of course, that that ran the demand up. And, of course, the, it's just a, it was a comedy of errors. So is this, the next, is this the next catalytic converter where criminals will be going into uh, devices they <laughs> Dude, know or run by Raspi? If you're in someone's house doing a, you know, a, a sneak and creep... And you see a Raspi sitting on the shelf, you better grab that sucker. <laughs> but are there things like are there devices out there that maybe we don't use anymore that we don't even know have have Raspis in them? There can be, yeah. yeah. It, there's there's certain smart TVs that have the compute modules in them, uh, and there's there's other devices that people may have built. You know, like we had that uh, airport weather map, yeah, uh, where it's yeah. it's a Raspi that's inside yeah, of it. Using yeah. that, let's go steal that Raspi, sell that. See that one. Well, uh, it's not just Raspi too. I was at uh, the mill on uh, on Sunday, and you had to pre-order pumpkin pies uh, two weeks out. Um, so th- not as bad, um, not as but it was bad. a lot cheaper. It was like it was like thirty dollars, I think. A lot more compatible too. Yeah, 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 and tasty. <laughs> Interface with that sucker. Yeah, you eat the Raspi, you're gonna wish you hadn't done that. <laughs> yeah, that's. You know, you might get it down, but it's got to come out eventually. Yeah. That's not a day at the beach for anyone. Is it like those little packets that say, do not eat silica gel? Like, does it yeah, say it anywhere in the raspberry? Yeah. Because you do know someone's eat. tried. I know it's called raspberry. Justin, <laughs> looking at you. You know, I learned something interesting. Uh, it has very little to do with this, but um, the Nintendo Switch, yeah. right, uses little tiny cartridges. I don't know if you've seen yes. them or not, right? So they, they haven't gone to all digital or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But the little cartridges are actually coated in a chemical called a, I think it's called a bitterant. Oh, embittering uh, agent, yeah. Embittering? Okay, yeah. I'm probably saying it wrong. Where apparently it makes it taste horrible, horrible. and yeah. that was, they, they were worried about kids swallowing them. Yeah. And so that's what they did. They made them taste bad. Uh, I thought that was kind of neat. They do the same thing with antifreeze. They put an embittering agent into it because it antifreeze tastes, tastes amazing. Huh. Right, like it's like Kool Aid. Yeah, you got to get the sugar free though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, what happens is you're out there working on your car or whatever, and you, you you dump out all your antifreeze to work on your engine, and you move it over, and the dog comes over and drinks it all, and they die. Mm. Uh, right. So they were like, "We're gonna we got to put some." That's called natural selection. And and for fun, <laughs> people were killing their spouses or whoever with it. Sure. Because you could put it into a soft drink, and you would know because it was sweet. Hmm. Right, so it just tasted fine, and they were having all sorts of uh, organ failure, and they were like, "Oh, it looks like you had a heart attack, or it looks like your pancreas kicked out for whatever reason. We don't know why." Interesting. And you have to like test for it. Now they put an embittering agent into it. Yeah. You drink it, you know you drank it, and it's not good. So it's not like nine to five where you, you, you know. put the rat poison in the boss's coffee. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> yeah, but can they? Because the embittering agent show up on the test on the autopsy. Just ask. So, I don't for know a about that, but you're not you're not going to drink it. You, you know, you're going to take a big swig of your. Diet Coke and go, this is panther piss. <laughs> this, is, this is like a crystal Pepsi from 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah, you'd probably rather have that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if it shows up in the toxicology reports, but I haven't been caught yet. Yeah. So, <laughs> Well, I've got some of that spray uh, for the dog. Um, that it's, I think it's sour apple that oh. you can spray on things that you don't want them to, to chew on. And they don't like it. Mm. I spray that on all my electronics now. Nice. Same reason. I did not. Like, None of them work. Anymore. I have stopped getting. <laughs> but, I I bought my last puppy or got my last puppy. I say bought. It, I got my last puppy, like in 2007. I said never again mm. because they are chew machines. That's all they want to do. Yeah, they're yeah. chewy. Chew, chew. Like a little gamey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fine. Dog's a fine meal. <laughs> It's just not big enough. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, for the whole family yeah, on yeah, Thanksgiving, yeah. Saint Bernard. Again. All right, <laughs> all 
All right, well, let's take a look at our next article, which is from, oh, geez, um, <laughs> bugs.xdavidhugh.me. That's right, bugs.xdavidhugh.me. Uh, this is an interesting one. It's David Hughes' personal blog, I imagine. Uh, it says, Accidental $70,000 Google Pixel Lock Screen Bypass. And it's actually a really cool read. I, I, I kind of got t- taken in with his storytelling and, and went down the whole thing. So it is not uh, something that costs uh, Google Pixel users $70,000. 70000 is the bounty he ended up getting. Right. Uh, I, I love this. And there were a number of news articles that covered it, but I didn't want to refer to those because here's like his actual story. Yeah. I, I felt like it really gave us some insight into how a, a security researcher or an accidental security researcher could stumble upon something like this. It was pretty significant. And what he found was a lock screen bypass that worked basically on every Google Pixel. Uh, so there was a, an engineering fault in the way that it handled certain boot up situations that he could recreate. And basically got it to a situation where anyone could hand him their Pixel phone, and after a few minutes, he could give it back to them unlocked. So it, he had to swap the SIM card. So he has to have a SIM card that he knows the, was it PKU? The Puck. The Puck, or PK, yeah. Okay. Number, uh, number four, so... Yeah, so there's a there's a process, and when I started reading it, this is where I found it fascinating because he starts describing like, oh well, I accidentally locked my pin, and then I had to to get the puck code off of the card from my SIM, and and that in Europe is pretty common. Here in the U.S., yeah, is not most so people much. don't have their puck code. So, uh, uh, but he had to go and get it. And so as I'm reading this, I'm like, all right, this is getting more and more far fetched, and I, you know, an attacker is not going to have my puck code. How is yeah. this useful? But then he gets to the point that's important is he could lock his own SIM. And he knows his own puck code. And so he could then go to anybody's phone, power it off, SIM swap, and power it on. Actually, he did it hot. Oh, he did it hot. It was a okay. hot swap. That's what he accidentally forgot to turn the thing off. And that's when that's he hot swapped it. And he was like, oh, what just happened here? And then, it, it, yeah, and he had access to the machine. Once he punched in the puck code, then it unlocked the phone regardless of... Right. It wasn't even his phone at that yeah. point. So your SIM is in, so easier for you to probably start transferring data. So take take like the... the he gave the example of the FBI, where the FBI was trying to get right. into phones. Yeah. Well, here's a way they could get into any phone. Right. Without paying an Israeli company $100,000. And, and Google had an outstanding bounty of $100,000 for anybody that can do a lock screen bypass. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, I'm about to have a good time. What was also interesting about this article was like how much he had to shout and yell to get them to take him serious. And apparently he wasn't the only one that discovered this. Somebody had actually submitted the same problem to Google and they dismissed it. And it sounds like they didn't raise as much of a fuss as he did because he he's talking to Google engineers. He was at yep. Google events. Well I mean he he kind of he kind of ran them down. Yeah. He, he threatened public disclosure. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah they passed the three month window. Right. So that that's responsible disclosure. Right. He was ready to he, he chickened out in the end. He did. They, they did go more than three months. Well he I I say he chickened out. I think he was just trying to be amicable and and be yeah. <laughs> well he also says at the end and then they said okay we'll give you 70 grand do you want to put poke google in the eye with a stick kind of yeah, okay well <laughs> can't wait to see don in a gulag or wherever the hell i mean technically google log google nice technically i mean could that come back to bite you the next time you submitted something or they're like screw you we don't want to maybe they pay more attention like yeah, this guy doesn't have around this guy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this guy finds real stuff this is and, the charles bronson of reporters now this isn't like a a pants on fire moment like the attacker still has to have physical access to your phone but this is absolutely something that like uh, a a uh, 
uh, shoot, you know, like a, a malicious government, state oh, yeah. actors or whatever. Like insider threats. Of. Like, let's say you had somebody on the inside at a government facility, and you know, you leave your phone on your desk and go to the bathroom. He walks over and just pop, 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 and now I'm in. I can. Yeah. Or like you said in a criminal yeah. case. I mean, yeah. the, the same cases we talked about about Apple. I think Apple was was the San Bernardino shooting years oh, yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Is what they yep. originally uh, the case. I mean, so if that had been. A pixel instead, you know. Okay, with, yeah, with this, they'd have been right in. Yeah. I think of it in terms of like if I'm ever when you when you travel between countries now, there's always a chance that they may seize your phone yeah. and yeah. and ask you to unlock it. Yeah, they right? say turn it off. Like if you're, so they can't like force you to look at it or something for yeah. Face ID and all that. And and if you say no, well, they might just say okay and then walk off with your phone and they can unlock it now. Yeah. Right. And so that that's the the real risk. So if, is is there virtualization for? Like Android and iOS that runs on Android and iOS. You know, at uh, at RSA a few years ago, there was a company that was demonstrating just that. Really? Uh, but the problem was it was it was hard for them to support different phones, and yeah, so they had picked like one model they were developing on. But they they had where there were virtual environments for your personal and work. Yeah. And so you could flip between them. A few companies have tried to do that over the years. I don't think anybody's really been successful with gotcha. it. Well, what's cool about about this one is you know I'm I'm not. A, a tech guy. I'm not a hacker. I'm not a coder. I could do this. You know, if you if you gave me your phone with uh, the steps are so simple that oh yeah, you know, it, it's yeah. it is extremely simple to get well, in there. Let me. You know, th this was on Android. Uh, have you upgraded to an iPhone 14 yet? I just did. So you now have an eSIM. You can't do this type of attack when you have an eSIM. Haha. Aha, because there is no like there's no SIM, SIM card. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I could go buy a SIM card. Anyway. There's no SIM slot on your phone. Yeah. No, I mean to do this attack to a Pixel user. Oh, yes. right. Oh, oh yes. I yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You you could pull this off on an Android phone, absolutely. But but there are technologies in place that are are designed to make it where this type of attack is not possible. And so just know that the jealous lovers everywhere yeah. are capable of doing this. I wonder if people in the NGO what? are like, ah, oh, they But totally it's patched now. This. It's patched. It or is, the patch is available. It is patched, although in the Android world, their track record for yeah, deploying patch. updates is pretty abysmal. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, it's, it's a cool one. It's it, got time to do that. Yeah, and we'll put the link <laughs> as we always do in uh, in in YouTube there. And I would suggest taking a read because it's interesting to kind it of hear was a story. Great read. Yeah, how he goes, yeah. you know, continuing to raise the flag and and yell when they weren't paying attention, and and as a result, earned himself seventy grand that uh, could have easily been zero had he. And they told him initially it was going to be zero. Yeah. yeah, this is a duplicate. Yeah, as and as they will do. We've already decided. All right, tell you what, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to look at who got pwned. We're also going to give you a moment to go grab your tinfoil hats because we're going to do tinfoil hat time coming up right after this on TechNATO. My name is Dana Morrison. I'm the IT director at Grace Christian School in Raleigh, North Carolina. I work with two technicians, Buddha and Anthony. We cover all grades at the school. We figure that we support approximately 800 end-user devices. My name is Buddha Nepal. I work as IT support here and AV specialist. I moved into IT department and and, and our first meeting, other team members asked me, hey, what's your IT background? And I was like, I don't have any. We have this SharePoint project that we're rolling out. So I was able to go to IT Pro TV and um, watch. And, by the end of this month, we were actually migrating all our files to SharePoint. I can use IT Pro TV's uh, supervisor portal to check the progress of my technicians so I can see what they're looking at. So when we were doing SharePoint training, I can go in and I can see 
that Buddha is hitting on that content. I really want to see hands-on how they do things. And if there was an IT Pro TV, I don't know how I would have done that. IT Pro TV has given us the ability to level up our technicians to a point where they can decide this is important for me to learn and go out and learn. At home, I have Apple TV and there is an app there. And so I actually watch on Apple TV. I, I watch it in my iPad too. Saturday mornings, I still get up early. 6.30, I go grab a cup of coffee. I sit down on the couch and I typically watch two or three episodes uh, as I just kind of increase my own learning skill set. I would recommend IT Pro TV uh, to any IT team that is looking to extend their knowledge. Uh, it offers a great, easy to access, interactive, entertaining uh, environment. It's just a great tool uh, for any IT professional. The IT Pro TV app is available for iOS and tvOS. The modern user interface makes navigation easy. Recently watched videos can be found on the home screen, as well as our daily live streams. Choose landscape mode for larger viewing. Access the entire course library by clicking on the play icon. Navigate our content by category, certification, and job role. Learn where you want and when you want as a premium annual member by downloading episodes for offline viewing. Watch on the go and pick up later on any of your favorite devices. So head to the App Store and download the IT Pro TV app. All right, welcome back to TechNado. And uh, I think I said, did I say before the break that we had, we're going to find out who got pwned? That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. Uh, no one was no pwned one. This, this last week. First time uh, in, in American history. So <laughs> yeah, Google Pixel. Uh, but we are going to find out uh, who is now behind bars. The law. I don't want to go to any you'll prison. go to jail. <laughs> no, straight to jail. Samir straight from jail. Uh, Office yeah. Space. Yeah. <laughs> Federal. Hmm, person, yes. Yeah. Yes. I love the the Parks and Rec one. This straight to jail. Straight to jail. Yeah, you you cook fish at the office? Straight to jail. Yes. All right. Uh, this one is from ArsTechnica.com. Lockbit ransomware suspect nabbed in Canada apologizes no uh, faces charges in the u.s and so my question about this one and I, and I couldn't really tell from reading it is is this a person that used lockbit or since it's ransomware as a service is this a person that wrote lockbit because it sounds like since it's ransomware as a service even the person that wrote it is getting a cut of any yeah. ransoms this person was in involved in the actual creation and proliferation of lockbit okay. so anyone then that used it they're technically Kind of on the hook for as a potential charge. Yeah, if 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 they get found out. Yeah, and we don't know how how locked down this all is, and how if there's honor among thieves, and they don't rat out other people. Which I'm they sure they kept well. record. We know that there's no honor among. We got access to their, their, <laughs> his QuickBooks file. So so there are a number of challenges here, and and one you you bring up already, Peter, is the Lockbit ransomware. It it was really. Um, I don't want to call it like advanced ahead of its time because it's just, it's criminal stuff, but uh, it was fully automated is kind of the big thing with it. And so it spread faster than just about any other ransomware. I was like, I don't want to like be nice to this thing. Yeah. But it was really cool. It's really <laughs> advanced. Yeah. The coolest criminals. Oh man. So it affected 
literally thousands of businesses around the world were hit by this in what is effectively extortion and mm-hmm. and uh, all the various crimes that go along with it. Uh, so they arrested one person involved in the LockBit ransomware scheme. There's obviously going to be like seven or eight people that are involved in it at the heart. Uh, this is just one person. So it's not the whole gang, unfortunately, but they got one. His name is Frank Lockbit, which is <laughs> his first mistake is naming the product after yeah, himself. After yourself. Uh, they do actually give his name, Mikhail Vasiliev, Vasiliev yeah. probably. Brantford, Ontario, Canada. And and this is kind of interesting. There's there's a few things in here that I think are a little bit ridiculous, and it helps to explain why ransomware is still a problem today. Uh, the first is... He was arrested by the uh, the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. So he was entering Canada, and he was arrested. I just uh, always assume they're on horseback, too, because <laughs> Mounted Police. It sure. was the Royal Canadian Mounted. Yeah, I, I assume they're just rolling up on yeah. the horses and like, come on, buddy. <laughs> Somebody made a, 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 in the comments, they were like, it's not CMP. You can't just leave the R off. They are uh, the Royal, they are Royal Canadian yeah. Mounted Police. <laughs> But uh, you know he was he was arrested in Canada and is facing charges here in the United States as uh, I mean he should be facing charges all over Everywhere. the world right yeah um, he's made friends hasn't he but you know the first ridiculous thing is that the way our laws are written he is he's facing up to five years oh, in prison oh man I bet he'll learn his lesson five years of hard time which really is like one year and then four years of probation mm-hmm. wait is it like five years of him turning big rocks into little rocks. Or yeah, five years of like, hey, what's on TV today, guy? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they do hard labor anymore, do they? What? I don't think so. But it turns out if he also had one ounce of marijuana on him, it could be up to 50 years. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, an ounce of marijuana is a pretty good amount. <laughs> <laughs> he was ready to park. So was all this malware. <laughs> he was like, man, I'm in that malware money. Somewhere. <laughs> Who needs an OZ? <laughs> Yeah, so that that's kind of frustrating. Is it, it's hard to deter these types of criminal activities when the penalties just don't. I'm, don't sh- match I'm up. shocked that yeah. you know it, it it doesn't count as you know each each instance is a new charge that could be an additional five years of you know if this was used a hundred times, say, shouldn't that be a hundred charges? Maybe now see if they go that route. If it's like five years per instance, <laughs> so he's screwed. Yeah, yeah, he's done and, it. yeah. <laughs> and that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, when they arrested him, they seized a couple of firearms, eight computers, thirty-two external hard drives, and four hundred and five thousand dollars in cryptocurrency, which is like what five Bitcoin or something. So, so, you know, he, he had a lot of interesting stuff on him and is apparently the criminal, but, uh, there was one quote in here that really stood out for me. And it was, it was at the end of Samir. Not going to work here. FBI deputy director, Paul Abate, or however you say it. Uh, he said, this successful arrest demonstrates our ability to maintain and apply relentless pressure against our adversaries. And that to me doesn't sound true. Like, this guy was a dual Russian and Canadian citizen, mm-hmm. and he felt comfortable enough to be able to move between the countries. Like, what kind of pressure are we talking about here? I don't feel like he was under pressure at all. Uh, you know, it was, it was social pressure, really. It was just yeah, mostly peer pressure. Just like people saying, you're really bad. And he's mm-hmm. like, I want to get, you know, uh, invited to parties and stuff, and you're keeping me from this, uh, stupid Americans. Yeah, yeah, well. Like, um, you know, do something. What's sad, it's probably, you know, I, I don't know what, what if he broke any other laws, but 
You're right. He could face more for the firearms charges if, if yeah. they're like illegal guns or something than uh, than that other law. But that that's that's one of those things that, that's got to change. Or you know, or they have to treat those as separate. Right, uh, yeah. Send him to like he's... Black Dolphin, and that sure. five years there would definitely be yeah. that change his life. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, and we might be about to see change. We have to to wait and see. There was an article I didn't pick it for this week because we didn't have enough information on it. But uh, an Australian healthcare organization got hit with ransomware, and they refused to pay. And the ransomware uh, act, threat actors released all this medical data on these Australian citizens. And so the Australian government uh, put out some very aggressive verbiage. They said, uh, you know, basically, this means war. We're, we're coming after you. You've gone too far. This wow. has got to stop. Yeah. And so they they used all the language that the United States used when starting the war on drugs. Yeah. And so if we see that kind of response, like the, the war on drugs response, but war on, on ransomware, we might actually see a difference. Yeah, because blank check. <laughs> well, it gets into that. You've seen the chart, right? It's like you've got the X, Y axis, and it's like, go around. The more you do that, the oh, yeah. more you find out. You find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. All right. And that's equal to happen. the amount of effing right. around, the finding yep. out. Yeah, that's yep. it. That's so, find out more. you know, that came from Australia, and if other countries get on board, if they get really aggressive with this stuff, we might see a difference. But if we keep doing this whole maybe you get five years type thing, it's yeah. it's not going to change. Yeah, and we're going to take your computer, too. Yeah, no computer yeah. for so you. You're grounded. Yeah, you're grounded. Yeah, yeah. No yeah we're like a suburban dad <laughs> disciplining his children. All right, now let's go for ice cream. Yeah, come yeah. on, buddy. I'm not angry. Dad's I'm still just disappointed. Yeah. Oh, don't hit him with that. Don't hit him with that. Oh, man, that cuts right to the bone. That's That stings. Yeah. All right, well, let's take a look at the last one here, which is going to be our tinfoil hat time. Paul McCartney's been dead since 1966. Dogs can't see color. 5G causes syphilis. Do you understand that? That is all potentially true information, uh, as is this from 9to5Mac.com. U.S. Army iOS app among thousands that unknowingly used Russian code. (gasps) Dun, dun. Dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we were in the same key there, too. What's uh, not shocking here, because probably most iOS apps were written with Russian code, (laughs) because so many of them are outsourced. Wasn't our app made in Russia originally? Uh, It was originally outsourced through a company, yeah, that was other. That's why it's hard to get updates now. (laughs) So so why is this tinfoil hat? Is this not true? Or is it the fact that Russian code means... It's compromised. So it's it's tinfoil hat because there are a lot of people that are paranoid about Russians being in our system, being everywhere, right? In our our utilities grid, in our software, uh, you know, like the whole Huawei thing about the Chinese government being able to control our networks. But there is some truth to it in that a lot of what we use is developed overseas. And and regardless of whether it's Russia or China or or even some of our, our partners and allies like Mongolia, France and the so UK. Yeah, for. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is Mongolia part of China? No, I don't believe so. I believe it is. I think it's I can't. Oh, wait, there's like Upper Mongolia and... I don't know. I, I want to say Mongolia is Mongolia. Well, either way, any any time you leverage outside organizations like that, you're effectively creating a backdoor into your your infrastructure, and so that that's a, a real fear that a lot of people have. Now, in this case, it it's somewhat warranted because what we're seeing is, you know, back a couple of years ago, really, when the 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 conflict between the United States and the Russian Federation started to pick up. So this was really back when President Trump was in office uh, and the relations between the countries started to fall apart. 
the U.S. government started saying, look, we can't use Russian developers for anything anymore, or really just Russian goods and services anymore. Mm. Uh, that got stronger over time. And once the war in Ukraine started, then it went super aggressive. Like, U.S. companies aren't allowed to do business in Russia right now because of the embargoes. So it's gotten very strict. Well, that's one of the reasons why, you know, like, if, if you have an app, well, we did this, right? Where we had mm -hmm. an app that had some developers, we had to stop using those developers. Yeah. And, and that's, that's just the way it is. You got to stay legal. You can't kind of flaunt the law. Well, that's put a lot of Russians in a bad situation. And, and Daniel and I had a conversation about this a while ago, is that not, not every Russian is a bad person, right? There's right. tons and tons of good people How do you in know? the Who's Russian the good Federation. and who's the bad, right? And you're going to be you know, persecuting people that ain't done nothing wrong. All they're trying to do is make a living and get through the world. Yeah, you know, and they just happen to live in Russia, and it's it's just like here in the United States that sometimes right. you have politicians that don't match up with what you think, and that doesn't make you a bad person. It might make them a bad person. I don't know, but but uh, you know. Right. So when we when we take an action like what we've done against the Russian Federation, which we have to do, right? We have to take action. Uh, it does affect a lot of people, but there are some of these development firms that are not acting in good faith that are doing what we see here is uh, there was a, a app service called Push Swoop or Swoop Push Push Whoosh Push Whoosh there we push go whoosh, push, the name whoosh. Wrong. push Whoosh that was basically a service you could bolt on to any mobile app to be able to handle push notifications and so tons of apps use this Push Whoosh library and the services from that company and the company said look we're not Russian. We're an American company. We're based out of Washington, D.C. Got a guy at a strip mall right now. <laughs> and here's our address, and we're an American company. But meanwhile, they were registered in Russia. They all worked and lived in Russia. They just had an address. They had a friend who lived in D.C. I think they had a California address and a few others that were just either fake addresses or somebody they knew <laughs> yeah. so they could use the address right to say to the they laundry. <laughs> yeah and, and and it was enough to snow the the US army so the the US army had push whoosh in some of their oh, their apps I feel secure and <laughs> so you know that's that's an example where these companies have willfully deceived and and for us in in IT it, it puts a little bit of a burden on us. We have to wear our tinfoil hat. We have to be paranoid. And anytime we deal with an outsourcing company, we can't just say, all right, uh, what country are you based out of? And just trust them. Like, yeah. we have to do a little bit of research. It's and one I, of those instances where just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not following you, right? right? Yeah. And I've had this happen firsthand. So, uh, you know, when we had a developer that was based out of, of Russia, and... They said, uh, well, actually, we're, we're registered in Delaware, so we're registered as a U.S. company. And I said, well, that, that doesn't matter. Your developers are in Russia. And they said, well, we can give you a U.S.-based project manager. Okay, that doesn't matter. The developers mm -hmm. are still in Russia. We can't do that. Uh, and so, you know, I had to sever ties with that organization. So, you know, that's, that's something that we have to do. We're res responsible for that as, as IT professionals and people in this career. And it, it kind of stinks that we have to do that vetting. And a lot of good people are going to get hurt or already being hurt by this. Collateral damage. It, it really is. Yep. And Unfortunate. 
Speaking of collateral damage, I would like to apologize to all the people of Mongolia, which is a sovereign, uh, democratic, free country that is right between China and Russia. One of three countries that is touching both China and Russia. Yeah, it's the largest landlocked country in the world. Is it really? Um, by by area. And you did it, Mongolia. I know. Congratulations. <laughs> you, that, that big sea dried up. <laughs> Thanks, climate change. Um, but, uh, yeah, they were actually part of China until 1911. And then they're like, you know, we should be part of Russia. And John so they Moses were a satellite Brown state of Russia. And they're like, this isn't working either. So 1989, uh, then they became huh. their own uh, little place there. I did not know that. Today I learned. Great country. And uh, great barbecue. <laughs> it's indeed. Mongolian barbecue. That Mongolian beef, man. But I stand there at that, that line going, man, there's just raw meat. And I, and people are just coming up and grabbing it with their little tongs and and then it gets set on like problem. 500 degree heat. But you you hope it does because it's right next to the raw vegetables. Eh, so if someone's like, we have some broccoli and a little bit of raw chicken. <laughs> wow, <But> delicious. <laughs> All right. Doesn't well, seem to stop you though, does it? Doesn't stop me. Yeah, I, I say that as I'm picking yeah, it up like, and putting it on my plate. This is really bad. Yeah, this is a mistake. But uh, yeah. So oh, yeah, great place. There is something I, I want to add on to this back on topic, okay. which is, uh, you know, there's some people wonder, you know, why we can't use these developers that are outside like this. And the the challenge that we have, and, and the U.S. Army is the greatest example of this, is when you have developers in another country, especially a country that is communist or has a, a dictatorship in place or something like that, uh, any data they collect they may well be required to turn over to the government and do that in a way that they don't even have to report it to you. And so for for your like Christmas wish list app, that's not a big deal. But if you're the U.S. Army, remember that article from last year where it was like the, the Fitbit, Fitbit watches? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It gave away the location of a secret base. Like, <laughs> you're it, like, hey, there's all these guys running yeah. around doing what laps. What is going on place? here? <laughs> Absolutely true. And so that's where this isn't just paranoia. Like This is real... Um, I don't know if this would be classified as OSINT or whatever, but uh, where you know you can be leaking information out of the country, even if you're doing full code review and all that before publishing. So that's that's why these restrictions are in place. Yeah, it's a rough world out there, folks. Security needs to get tighter. So sometimes yeah. that's just going to mean having to go. I don't know whether I can trust you, so I'm going to not trust you. And that's yeah. just unfortunate. That zero trust. Is that zero true? trust? Basically. All right. It's a weird world right now. It you is. know, if you had asked me back in January, would by the end of 2022, would we have uh, a war in Ukraine that's lasted over six months and full embargoes against Russia? I, yeah. I wouldn't have believed that. Yeah. And when, have you heard what's this BRICS thing? Have you heard of the BRICS? Like mm -hmm. it's Brazil, Russia, um, India, China, and South Africa are coming together to form like, what? and they're creating their own like cryptocurrency like a, or some sort of oh. currency. And it's supposed to like rival the petrodollar. It's like there's some weird stuff going on right now. Yeah. Because crypto is in such a good place right <laughs> yeah. now. Well, I mean, well, maybe the show the is sponsored by FTA. Oh no, no, it's not anymore. <laughs> until, uh, yeah, we're gonna have to shut the lights off. Yeah. Just can't afford this anymore. Uh, all right, want to let you know about a couple things coming up. We have a really fun one, the IT Pro Turkey Bowl, because why do a webinar when you can have fun this holiday season? So Thursday, November 17th, same day that this uh, is coming out, we're going to be doing the Turkey Bowl, and I've uh, got a bunch of games, uh, kind of minute-to-win-it style games, uh, having two teams. I'll be uh, one of the, the hosts of that, so I'm really excited to be doing that. And uh, not only will we have winners of the Turkey Bowl here, uh, but you can win at home because 
are going to be giving away some gifts. Uh, so be sure to tune into that live, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern time. And if you didn't uh, didn't win and didn't get to watch live, you can still uh, go back and watch it. Have a lot of fun uh, on the archives. We're uh, putting that up over at itpro.tv/webinars. Um, even though it's not a webinar, but that's kind of taking the place of the webinar that week. So uh, you can see it there and see the archive of it after the fact. Um, and let's see what else. We've got the 12 Days of IT coming up very soon. That's going to start the Monday after Thanksgiving here in the U.S., uh, which I think is the 28th, uh, where we're going to do 12 unboxings. And then on the last day, which is December 9th, we're going to do a YouTube Live and give away all 12 of those cool tech gadgets, um, things ranging from travel routers and uh, hard drive duplicators to a uh, really cool little hard drive clock. Uh, I've got uh, some Raspi stuff, uh, if we can get our hands on one. We'll see. And, uh, yeah, all cool stuff coming up, so check that out over uh, at itpro.tv slash 12 days, and that's where you can register to win all of those items. Uh, all right. Uh, I think – oh, no, I want to also mention that uh, that you can head over to technado.com, and you can see all the latest episodes. You can uh, grab some swag. Uh, you can reach out and let us know um, – that you live in Mongolia and are mad at us uh, for not knowing that you are a country, uh, I knew. not just a region. You didn't. Yeah, no. Sorry. My bad. My bad. Right there by the Gobi well, Desert. Don't chuck me under the Did bus. you know uh, back in 1911 that one-third of the male population were monks? All things I've learned on Wikipedia as I've sat here hmm. while you guys well, are talking about fun. like computers or something. I'm, I'm actually so I was learning more about bricks that it was oh. like they are creating a reserve currency, not a crypto. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. Uh, but yeah, check out all that, and you can click the big orange button that says "sponsored by IT Pro," and you can get a twenty. Uh, what, what is it? Twenty percent? Thirty percent? Thirty percent? Thirty? I think it's thirty percent off of your personal membership to IT Pro. Uh, so check that out. You can also request a uh, a demo for a team. And find out all the great features available to teams from IT Pro uh, and try that out as well. If you got two or more people, that's the way to go. Uh, so check all that out. Uh, just to let you guys know a little uh, programming note, uh, we are switching podcast providers. Um, the the person that does the hosting for the podcast is actually going out of business at the end of the year. Well, there's uh, that. <laughs> it could be. Powered uh, by FTX. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, know, yeah it could be that. Probably great podcasts like ours mm -hmm, that have mm -hmm. really <laughs> run them into the ground. Yeah. Uh, What's well, how big these files are because we just go on. On and yeah, on talking about you know Thanksgiving movies, uh -huh. um, so uh, so we're switching providers. You can definitely still find um, the podcast on YouTube, but we, it should be seamless. Uh, we're changing the RSS feeds on the different providers, but if you do see any interruptions, you're like, hey, you know, it hasn't come out today. Just go check it out on YouTube uh, until that gets worked out. But again, it should be seamless. Uh, and if, if there are any problems, let us know over at technator.com um, with the, the form there. If there's a particular podcast service that you use that it's not showing up at, you know, we'll, we'll check into that for you for sure. Um, but, yeah, that should be that should be it. So uh, we will be back next week. We will have an episode um, right before Thanksgiving. We'll put it out on Thanksgiving. So if you need an escape from the family, <laughs> uh, that is there for you. Or if you're in another country like Mongolia that does not celebrate Thanksgiving, well, now i got to check that. Yeah. Maybe they do. <laughs> the Mongolian Thanksgiving coincidentally falls also, on the same day. Uh, yeah. as, uh, Mongolian Black Friday, it's crazy. It turns out there were, there were two Friday. groups of pilgrims, right? One <laughs> went east and one <laughs> went west. Mongolians. Yeah, yeah. Mongolia Across the Gobi Desert. Sure. That's <laughs> A tough trip, I'm, I'm sure. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, all of you, for watching, and we'll see you next week right here on Technado.